any particular films you're looking forward to? Um, well, myself and Faye Crumbly, uh, we're going to see um, The Time Traveller's Wife at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's that. one, I've, one I've got mm. down. Um, yeah. I want to go see Aliens in the Attic. I know it's a kid's movie. <laughs> 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 it's in 3D. Oh, God. No. <laughs> it just looks funny. And up. Head. And up. 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 Oh, yes. that's, mm. a, that's Pixar. Pixar's latest. Mm. Oh, the balloons of the, the balloons house. Of the house. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Anyone for a cup of tea? Um, yeah, okay, I'll go for mm. one. Yeah, um, we've got some crumbly bickies over there. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah. Oh, no, it's, 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 Adam, um, we'll mm. box down then. Do you want to open? No, no, no. This is Staggering Stories podcast number 53. Welcome, welcome, come in, come in, come in. <clears throat> five, your numbers up. Blue <laughs> <laughs> bottling. <laughs> anyway, I'm Crumbly. I'm Jean. <laughs> I'm Adam. And I. I think I'll build the real Keith again. F- uh, classic Keith classic is a bit Keith. geeky. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I, I'm it? sitting in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're unfortunately we're lacking fake Keith. We have tonight. no fake Keith yeah. tonight. Yeah. There's a fake uh, Keith hole, and I'm mm, feeling yes. very down. Uh, it means I'm representing the female part of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be Good happy. Luck. Oh, I'm doomed. <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, so what's on the agenda for today? Well, first and foremost, launching straight into the news with El Presidente. Doctor Who News? Ooh. I better get my clipboard. Tom Baker is back. Hey, Tombo! I didn't know he'd been away. Would you like a chilli, baby? Mentally, yes. Uh, <laughs> Mentally, has he ever been there? Well, maybe not. <laughs> In the pub. But he's back as the fourth Doctor. Ooh. Ooh. A series of audio plays, mm-hmm. which are collectively known as Doctor Who Hornet's Nest. Hornet's Nest? Yeah. It's not really that new, this news, but it's due out in the next couple of weeks, so it's... We should really talk about it. Why not wasps' nest? There's lots of wasps around at this moment in time. Are there? Hmm. I thought they were all dying off. No, that's the bees. Okay, so it could be the beehive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There. Talking of which, it's uh, sorry, Rula Lenska, Stephen Thorne, mm-hmm. Michael Malo- Maloney, and uh, Richard Franklin is back as that uh, affable Mike Yates. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Mikey! Laying on a jeep. I always prefer Sergeant Ben <laughs> More rugged. Yeah. Yeah. I think he prefers Sergeant Benton too. Allegedly. We're not going there. I think it's an open secret. <laughs> These are the first full cast dramas featuring him since he left the series in 1981. Mm. Oh, He's repeatedly turned down Big Finish, and this is for the BBC instead. Yeah. I wonder what's gone on behind the scene there and how the people at Big Finish feel about that. I don't know. <laughs> Probably banging their heads against the wall somewhere or, yeah. we- or yeah. weeping quietly into their coffee. Well, I don't know if anybody's heard the uh, leaked clip of him. No. Nor no. have I, but I've heard he doesn't quite sound 
Well, like the doctor anymore. He's, he's old. He's older. You know, it's not just that. It's just the way he's playing. He's like he's just reading it as yeah. Tom Baker. Mm. It's a shame, but we don't know if that's really going to be representative. Hopefully, it sounds good and it's. <laughs> I mean, the, back the, and the ones they did of the Torchwood. Yes. That we reviewed a couple yeah. of podcasts yeah. ago were very good. They were great. And again, BBC full cast. So yeah. Let's hope that these are of a similar quality. Well, as I was saying, listening to the... I'm a big follower of the Big Finish ones. And you can notice, certainly in the voices of Sylvester and, to a certain extent, Peter Davidson, yeah. they're older. The voice has changed. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, that's it's bound a, to happen. It's an older-sounding voice. Mm. Probably for the better of Sylvester, but it gives him a bit more gravity. <laughs> and, and to give Tommy's due, it is 20 years since he played the Doctor. Oh, God, to try yeah. and remember how the character presented himself some 20 plus years on is regarding <laughs> well, the tw- age. It was, 28 years. Yeah, it's yeah, a bit, bit difficult to get back into character yeah, yeah. after yeah. that time. I can understand Maybe. that. Maybe if they let him run up and down the odd BBC corridor before <laughs> he went off. <laughs> you mean give him yeah, a cardiac? Yeah. <laughs> Just to get him back into character. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of oxygen, he'd be OK. <laughs> a couple of bottles of vodka. <laughs> Yeah, fi- that'll definitely get back to character. You are, a bit of gin. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be five stories mm-hmm. called The Stuff of Nightmares, The mm. Dead Shoes, mm. The Circus of Doom, A Sting in the Tail, and Hive of Horror. And these are all under the Hornet's Nest umbrella, are they? Yep. Okay. Yeah, they're all connected in some way. Okay. And they'll be out as of sometime in September. Yeah, I, I shall look forward to um, bending my earlobe to that. Please tell me they're nowhere mm. near Megalos. <laughs> <laughs> right, also on the Who front, yeah. we have the name of the new animated story oh, yeah. that is going to be shown exclusively on the BBC's Red Button Service. At first. At first, yeah. They'll probably bring out a DVD and, and, and whatever. But, oh, yeah, sure. sure. But uh, uh, apparently it's being uh, called Dreamland. And at the moment there is a blog running about it on the BBC Doctor Who site that you can uh, yeah. get off and see. <laughs> uh, the blog will run, obviously, until it is aired, which is sometime in the autumn. Vague. Very vague at the moment, <laughs> yeah, it's like everything else. Mm. It will star David Tennant, Georgina Moffat, Lisa Bauman and David Warner. There's a little bit of information about it. The the picture that is being shown on the site at the moment is, uh, it gives it a, a 3D-esque yeah. cartoonish style. Yeah, it's sort obviously of, 3D animated. Yeah, yeah, it's, it certainly looks um, a computer animated. Yeah. From one, not hand-drawn animation. Yep. But a little bit about the plot. Roswell, Nevada, the dusty strip of the desert, which nothing ever grows except for alien legends and strange stories about flying saucers. Mm-hmm. The TARDIS touches down in 1958, and another legend is about to be born. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, watch this space, or watch yeah. the BBC website. Or- I quite like the, the look... Yeah, they're giving the uh, the animation. Yeah, it's not. It was not like the um, the last one, which was what is it? The Infinite Quest. The Infinite Quest. Yeah, it's that was a more definitely a more cartoony style, but it was more um, it's kind of two D flash animation. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Well, this one looks from from the still that we've seen looks far more three uh, D animation. Yeah, I, I cut scenes from a computer game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, we have news that James Masters, who played Spike in Buffy the Vampire Slayer... And Captain John. Oh, yes, and Captain John as well, will be joining the cast of Battlestar Galactica spin-off Caprica Mm. for a sizable arc. 
According to EWCom's columnist, Mike... John Major again? Yeah. Michael Cielo. It says here that former Buffy producer Jane Espenson is one of the executive producers on Galactica. It says that Masters will play a dangerous terrorist leader by the name of Barnabas Greeley <laughs> in a mem- minimum of three episodes. He's driven by desires both moralistic and carnal. <sighs> Barnabas is as lethal as he is unpredictable. Yeah. And uh, Captain John again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a bit of typecasting there. Yeah. And, and Spike. Mm. And uh, Caprica, that premieres in the US on the 22nd of January 2010. Uh, as I said, I'm recently watching on BBC Three the, uh, the repeats with uh, Captain John in it. Mm. Oh, yeah. And is it just is it, something doesn't look right? It doesn't look right with brown hair. No. I'm no. expecting <laughs> it to be bleached blonde. You know, just, it, <laughs> Maybe just me, but something indefinable is missing. He might have decided he actually wanted to keep some of his hair into old age and <laughs> mm, let it grow yeah. his best yeah. colour. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> also, still on Battlestar Galactica, Brian mm. Singer to direct and produce Battlestar Galactica, the movie. Ooh. Battlestar Another Galactica. rehash. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's getting a big screen treatment. Universal has confirmed that Brian Singer, director of the superb, and I agree with that, X-Men, <laughs> and their rather poor Superman Returns, didn't bother with it, will take on the directing and producing duties for the Battlestar Galactica movie. Glenn Larson, who created the original series back in 1978, will produce as well. Mm. So that could be interesting. Yep. The film is not expected to be a continuation of the current popular TV show that's running in the sci-fi network. Siffy. Siffy. network, <laughs> but will be a complete reimagination of the sci-fi law that was invented by Larson's back in the 1970s. Mm. So we've got the original... We've got the TV series yeah. too, which is different from the original, yeah. and, mm. and it was so successful, successful they yeah. cancelled it after how many seasons? Oh, and now we have a movie, which is a new version. Yeah. Complete. Is this turning into Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will they have a monkey in a robot suit? Though? Oh, no, please! <laughs> Just as long as the robots still have that light. Yeah. 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 That, is, that is a staple Battlestar Galactica, so they'll have that no matter what. I oh would yeah. Think. yeah, yeah, but. You know, I, I'm. We've only just fin- yeah. finished Battlestar Galactica TV series. I so. have to admit, I saw the f- some of the first season of the remake, and I'm just like, nah. Oh. It just didn't do it for me at all. Okay, okay. I, lo- I love the special effects, and I liked, you know, some of the characters, but. <laughs> just, just didn't float me about. Yeah, I understand. It's quite good. I haven't seen it all. I've seen the first two seasons yeah. so far. Like me to catch up with it. Uh, well, personally, I liked it. I mm. caught in from the beginning. I've loved more or less everyone, but I do agree. Once they once they figured out that actually they had a success and expanded it from thirteen episodes yeah. to twenty two mm. episodes, it got flabby. Yeah, you know yeah. there were padding episodes and bottle episodes and episodes where nothing happened. Oh, yeah, it's like the other thing, Sarah the, Connor Chronicles. The original, yeah. apart from the fact that it was an eight, it came out at a point where I was lusting very much after <laughs> Apollo. <laughs> but, down, girl, down. <laughs> but the original had, it seemed to be more driven. You know, they were escaping from the Cylons and they were trying to find a... Yeah. And there was, there was much more urgency and, and they really were sort of stuck there on their own and I never mm. got that feeling of urgency or this this mm. fighting for survival just generally yeah. you're waving your arm very <laughs> 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 I mean uh, one thing I will say about the um, the original movie is um, okay I mean 
I saw. I thought it was his, it was his camp as old boots when I saw. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw it at the cinema, I mean, in the uh, rather comely shape of Jane Seymour, there was some of the most <laughs> wooden acting going. <laughs> oh, we're all doomed. Oh dear. She wasn't hired for acting ability. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, the only bit that sort of did scare me slightly was where um, you saw all the people that had been captured by the Ovians in those sort of cells and the little Ovians feeding off of them. Oh, yes, mm. I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking very, very blank there. I'm, looking, I'm trying to look over the top of the mic, actually. <laughs> so I sit down, I can't see what you're doing. <laughs> No, I think it was just that that feeling of urgency and and sort of like literally being the last of... You can only fight so many battles before there's no one left to to carry on the other. I mean, that that was the point. At the beginning of each episode, you got a countdown and you kept on going down. Mm. (laughs) You knew one, yeah. Yeah, I, I personally disagree, but I don't think you've seen some of the episodes at their best. Oh, frack. (laughs) The best swear word ever invented. <laughs> Heroes. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Kind of. Sort of. Ernie Hudson, one-time Winston Zeddemore, mm-hmm. of the Ghostbusters posse, will be showing up on Heroes in the next season as a Baltimore cop named Captain Lubbock. That's yeah. A- that's a good name. Cheers, Captain Lubbock. Lubbock. Why is everyone captain at these days? Mm. Why couldn't it be sergeant or something? Yeah. Is that police constable? I don't suppose they do. They're not saying much about his role, but there's early hints that it's going to be a bit like the fugitive. Lubbock is on the hunt for one of the other characters on the show. Mm. So, we'll see. Good to see old Ernie back. But yeah, oh yeah, it's good to see him working, but again, I'm not sure. I haven't caught a lot of heroes for a long time, unfortunately. Another watch this space. Right, back onto the movie trail. <laughs> Warner Brothers, in their infinite wisdom, is about to make... The Lego Movie. (laughs) (laughs) They're making it up. (laughs) According to reports in Variety, Warner Brothers are developing a movie based on the interlocking blocks. That's a very nice way of putting it without indulging any copyright. (laughs) Interlocking blocks that will be the family comedy that will mix live action and animation. So it won't be anything anywhere like Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there again. I mean, as long as it's better than Viewmaster, the movie. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Come on, we haven't mm. seen it yet. It'll probably be spectacular. What, some guy standing there with the Viewmaster going click, 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 click. <laughs> I wonder if that'll be a 3D film. Mm. It has to be. Oh, yeah. It can always be a pool, no. It depends on who's taking pictures. <clears throat> <laughs> the movie will be produced by Roy Lee, the king of the Hollywood remakes, okay. who has previously remade The Ring... The Grudge, Dark Water, The Lake House, The Invasion, and Shutter. Most of those are horror films. I was just about to say, is this going to be Lego the horror movie? (laughs) In addition to the Oscar-winning remake, The Departed, Lee and screenwriter Dan and Kevin Hangerman... Hangerman? Hagiman. Hagiman, thank you. I can't pronounce these things. I do apologise. I'm working these false teeth in for a horse has reportedly been working closely with the Danish toy company to create a premise for the film. It's going to be about a giant interlocking ball that's going to roll over everyone Mm. and terrorise the town, isn't it? I can see it's a horror movie. (laughs) With Major Matt Mason, Stretch Armstrong, Viewmaster and Hot Wheels Wheels. movie also in the works, it looks Mm. like toy adaptations may be the new trend in the movies, supplanting remakes. Mm -hmm. The new... He-Man movie will arguably manage to be both a toy adaptation 
and a remake. And increase the sales of the toys involved in all of these movies. That's that's what we had during the early 80s, the cartoon series that yeah. was toy-based. There's never franchise. a cartoon series of Lego, though. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. It's franchise overload. Yeah. And yeah. I should point out here, the plural, plural of Lego is Lego. Not Legos, it's Lego. Lego. So, so you can have a singular... <laughs> American friends. You can have a singular Lego and a lots of Lego. Lego. <laughs> Indeed. I Mind like you. words like that. I can have words <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> Uh, mind you, what worries me is the, um, the film version of Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> I mean, what exactly does he stretch? What can go up to enormous sizes? We're, we're getting back to the Viewmaster okay, movie. Yeah, okay. oh, no, 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 no. And some World of Warcraft news. Ooh. Which we write up Fakey Street, but she's not here, so. Uh, uh. But they've, re- they've announced their third expansion called Cataclysm. Oh, should that be sort of done with an echoey voice behind oh, yeah. it? Yeah, lightning strike. Deepen it right yeah. down. Cataclysm. <laughs> What's an expansion? <laughs> oh, yeah, you pay a bit more, and <clears throat> so you can go for a few. You get years. extra features. Are you all right, dear? What's Warcraft? <laughs> Would you like a cup of tea? Uh, it has two new races: goblins and a worgen. Worgen. Mm. Yeah. Some new race class combinations. Terry Worgen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. We have a tog in the room. <laughs> to, to, oh, Terry's, Terry's old geezers. <laughs> Entirely yes. redesigned zones and various other bits. And a level cap up to 85. Oh, Ooh, what's the level cap then at the moment? <clears throat> 80. Ah, how far yeah. you can go. For the rest yeah. of you who know nothing about gaming, <laughs> what? That's, that's how far you can improve your character. Yeah, you can go yes. up five more levels. It's like okay. Dungeons and Dragons, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and taken straight from the FAQ and the official website, we have the following. While the attention of the Horde and Alliance remain fixed on Northrend, an ancient evil has been lying dormant within Deepholm, the domain of Earth in the elemental plane. Hidden away in a secluded sanctuary, the corrupted dragon aspect Deathwing has waited, recovering from the wounds of his last battle against Azeroth, nursing his hatred for the inferior creatures that infest the surface realm, and abiding his time until he can reforge the world in molten fire. Soon, Deathwing the Destroyer will return to Azeroth, and his eruption from Deepholm will sunder the world, leaving a festering wound across the continents. You can get ointment. Yeah. As the Horde and Alliance race through the epicenter of the cataclysm, the kingdoms of Azeroth will witness seismic shifts in power, the kindling of a war of the elements, and the emergence of unlikely heroes will rise up to protect this scarred and broken world from utter devastation. Mm-hmm. The face of Azeroth is altered forever as the destruction left in Deathwing's wake reshapes the land and reveals secrets long sealed away. Players will be able to re-experience familiar zones across Kalimdor and the Eastern Kingdoms, re-wrought by the cataclysm and filled with new opportunities for adventure. I feel I should do my best Doctor Who assistant bit at this point, but Doctor, what does that mean? <laughs> we just don't know. A lot of big changes, apparently. Yeah. Yes. Mm, yes. So, what I want to know is why John Manger is now voicing for the official website of Warcraft rather than us. Wow, Blizzard, they got lots of money. They can uh, afford John Major, you see. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So, sports fans, that wraps up the news. We won the ashes! Just for any Australian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
Ouch. Is there anything in that egg cup of ashes? Are they really ashes? I mean, it is the smallest, smallest thing you can ever win, isn't it? I mean, it's an egg cup. It needs to be something larger. I mean, you see the uh, uh, winning the FA Cup, one of them yeah. hoist this massive, great big, you know, it takes three people to lift yeah. this massive cup, and then it's just, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sneeze and you drop yeah. it and the ashes oh. will be everywhere. <laughs> it needs to be larger. It needs to be impressive. I mean, that doesn't... You go through the bus, through the town on a bus, on top yeah. of the open deck, with holding something that's two inches apart, you know? Oh, yeah. I dare say there are people out there that say, see, this represents, it's the game that's important and not the award. Exactly. No, yeah, yeah. no, it's the size <laughs> of the cup. <laughs> And I mean the one you raise at the end yeah, of the game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, okay. not, not the one that is protecting your vitals. <laughs> That's called a box. Oh, sorry. sorry. Moving rapidly on. <laughs> yeah, let's quickly move on to... Um, what is it now? Is it Doctor Who? <gasps> no. Oh. oh. <laughs> We've all been watching DVDs, haven't we? Lots yes. of DVDs. Mm, oh, yes. <clears throat> a whole glorious box set. Uh, yes, three DVD, yep, DVDs. Yep, yep, yep. Even. The Black Guardian trilogy. Mm, yes. Dun, 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 dun. Mm. Not a Hitchhiker's trilogy, a real no, trilogy. No, uh, uh, yeah, a proper trilogy. Three DVDs. Though, if you include the special Enlightenment DVD, then it is actually four. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay, what's first? What did we watch first? Well, I watched the first of the three first. <laughs> that's always a good start. Crazy talk, is that? <laughs> Damn, that's where I'd gone wrong. <laughs> I thought it would help me understand the overriding arc of the story. <laughs> okay, what's, what was right, the... F- which one did you watch first? <laughs> well, actually, I slipped in the special edition of Enlightenment because everyone had gone to bed and... I wanted to see why it was special edition, but okay. I went back and watched the others first. I'm sorry, I'm a bad boy. You read the end of the book, don't you? Just yeah. to find out. Yeah, last chance, yeah. and then I rip it out, <laughs> spoil it for everyone else. Anyway, okay. What was the name of the first DVD in the DVD box trilogy? Mordrin. Undead. undead. Okay. Ooh, is he undead? All right. Next question. Uh, no, no. <laughs> what was it about, El Presidente? Are you going to give us a, a, your usually succinct and oh. on-the-button plot <laughs> summary? Well, where to begin? It's a complicated one, isn't it? We find ourselves in 1983, which was the current time, roughly, roughly when, the when year this came out. Cast, yeah. <laughs> He's looking at the back! <laughs> He's forgotten! Yeah, double-checking it. February 1983, in fact, okay. the uh-huh. story. Okay. And we find Turlo stealing the Brigadier's car. <gasps> and then crashes it. Yeah. No! Yeah. And has a terrible encounter with the Black Guardian. <gasps> Who balances a dead bird on his head. I can't scream. Higher. See how high you can get. <laughs> Expire. <laughs> <laughs> and he's given a challenge. Oh, more of an instruction. Mm-hmm. In booming Order. tones. Yes. Yes. To kill, kill the, the doctor. doctor. Who then turns up. I have to ask, uh, do we know whether the black... Black Guardian originally used to balance a bird on his head. I can't remember. In he didn't. Key to time. He yeah. didn't right at the end of the key to time. He just had a kind of Valiard style yeah. skull cap. Yeah. And so, so the, it, the bird is new. Yeah. Mm. 
But then the White Guardian also balances a seagull on his head. Yeah, so it looks it look, the in fashion item it, for Guardians. It looked more point. like a pigeon oh, no. to me. Well, well, what do you call a man? Has a seagull on his head. Cliff. Cliff. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it looked uh. more like that seagull out of finger bobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one that goes on, I fly. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves, though. Who yes. has a tortoise on there? <laughs> a tortoise flies? If you kick it hard enough. <laughs> um, oh. Okay, so, uh, why is the Doctor there? They almost crash into a ship. Mm, a space craft. Yeah, a space liner, yes. So they have to land on board the ship. A quick bit of dematerialisation, rematerialisation. Why they couldn't just dematerialise and go away, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> something about a, t- uh, a warp ellipse. So, so some other such uh, plot device. Ha- handy science. Yeah. And they find a teleport device back to 1983. Mm, yes. oh. So the Doctor jumps in. The Doctor jumps into the teleport device and goes yeah. back to 1983 to try and fix whatever it was that was causing the warp ellipse that meant they couldn't do the going out and going yeah. back. Ah, which is how he ends up meeting the Brigadier back in 19... Yeah. He finds Turlo goes onto the ship first. Well, Turlo is basically an alien who wants to get home. Like E.T. I only watched this on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being sensible and maintaining were, out of this, you know. Just... There, there, there were several problems with this story. Go on, go on. Let's get straight into the problems. Okay, yeah. The plot is <laughs> plenty of mind one, one major problem, okay, is that the Brigadier has retired and is it teaching at a school in 1977? Yes. Yep. Silver Jubilee year. Yes. yes. Uh, That's when a major... the brigadier in charge of unit? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's retired before half the stories is supposedly mm. involved with... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with a slight... If... I, know, I know they bend time, but... <laughs> if I remember rightly... According to Pyramids of Mars, Sarah Jane was from 1980. Yes. And she met the Doctor in the broadcast episode that was broadcast in 73. So, right, wow, yeah. So the, the episodes were set slightly in the future. future. Yep. And that was perfect and well and understood until this particular episode come along and yeah. screwed up the entire dating system. Uh, good old Peter Grimwade. Yeah. <laughs> There is, I think it's in, what is it, Point the Santama one recently, Poison Skies. Yeah, that was a good line about that. uh, David Tennant stopped and mentioned something, goes, ah, yes, that was back in the 80s, wasn't it? Or was it the 70s? Yeah. Second problem, Turlow's got to kill the Doctor. Yes. Mm -hmm. How many times has he got to kill the Doctor? Because, okay, in this one he was going to give up all his regenerations, but if he didn't that, is Turlow tied into this contract till he's killed the Doctor eight times? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a case of until... He stops moving. Yeah, the doctor is clinically (laughs) dead. Mm, 99% dead, yeah. Yes, yes. I also like to point out that Turlow screams like a girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, he does. He does. He's a coward. He admits that. Because I think there's one point where the the Black Guardian or something tries to zap him and and he screams and it was so good. Sorry, Mark. But it was so good. (laughs) He gets to scream a lot in these DVD, uh, these trilogy, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. I have to admit, though, I was 18 when this went out and that did not put me up. There were some very happy memories coming back watching this and the other three. Some very happy memories. Okay. <laughs> right. Some very lustful memories. Okay. If I remember rightly... We're not talking about Peter Davison. No, we're not talking about Peter Davison. If I remember rightly, Turlow is by, sent up the hill by the back guardian to the urn. <laughs> 
opens the urn, which reveals the transmat globe that is already in there. Yep. He gets yep. into the globe and transmats back to the ship. Which is very Art Deco. Which is very Art Deco. Like all spaceships in the future Art Deco. Yeah. Um, because the, tur- the globe has is back in the ship, it now means the TARDIS can't take off because there's something about the globe that is interfering mm. with the TARDIS systems. Yep. So, the Doctor and Turlow travel back to 83, where the hillside is, because for some reason, the control device for the globe is on Earth inside this urn. How it got there, nobody quite knows. That I, mm. I think you are given the um, idea that it's a little bit of extraneous jiggery-pokery done by the Black Guardian. Oh, okay. That, well, that, that was the, catch-all. That, that was the <laughs> emphasis yeah, or the, okay, the, the okay. idea I was given. Spectacular cliffhanger of part one. The Doctor's there <laughs> kneeling over <laughs> yeah. trying to uh, open up this, this electronic device while Turlo is standing behind him with oh, yes, um, a very large brick. With a very about large brick. About to cleave his And if you run it backwards, because you see him lifting up the thing, but if you run the DVD backwards, it looks like he does <laughs> smash him on the edge. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. I spent about ten minutes doing this with Turlo's <laughs> Lifting and go lifting. Hours of fun somewhere. I'm I'm easily pleased. Um, they deactivate this machine, which activates the TARDIS. But because the TARDIS is its usual wonderful working self, instead of it travelling back to '83 with the Doctor and Turlow, it goes back to 1977. So same yeah. place. Different time. But it's only got yeah. Nissan and Tegan mm. on But it's only got Nissan and Tegan yeah. on board. And 1977 is where the, ex- the Transmat Globe originally appeared. Without... Without... The Doctor and Without Turner. the Doctor, and, but, but with this character called Maldrin on board. Mm. He looked rather well. Well, you have a very bad sunburn on her. Um, yeah. Yes, he'd well, been through the wars. Didn't yeah. look well, did he? No. no. As commented in the dialogue between Nissan and Tegan, Transmat beams are like being sometimes... Not properly tuned. It's like going through a blender. Yeah. yeah. I think they would have got the hang of that after 3,000 years, how long they've been in the ship. <laughs> you would have thought, but there we go. There we go. And this, this mangled, injured person, played by David Collins, was it? You've got the DVD. Oh. Sounds right he, he to me. He's the chap in Robots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's a, he he's also a, played Silver in a Yeah, I was going to say, he's deal. a Doctor Who staple oh, yes. because he played one of the aliens in uh, Revenge of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. He's difficult to see because he's under all the face makeup. He played uh, uh, Paul in Robots of Death. Yes. And also, he, he does a very good turn as Silver in Sapphire and Steel. Mm. Voros in uh, Voros. Avengers Sidemen. Avengers Sidemen. Yeah, David yeah. Collins. David yeah. Collins. I got it! Mm. <laughs> but he's looking slightly unwell in this part. He, he is, he is. He's. <laughs> he, he's um, well, first time we see him, he's lying on the floor of the t- uh, Transmat globe. With a loincloth. Yeah, just wearing a nappy yeah. <laughs> and covered in red jam. <laughs> Tegan thinks that it's the doctor that he's got zapped and yep. runs yep. off to get help. Yep. And finds yep. the brigadier. Finds, uh, finds a very proper, smart, moustached brigadier. Yeah. He's only just retired and yep. taken up teaching. Yep. Because mm. the, the 83 brigadier has, how can we put it politely, gone to seed? Mm. Well, he had a, a breakdown, didn't yeah. he, of some yes. kind? Yeah, mm. some form of mental breakdown. Which we find out a bit later about. Yeah, yeah. And then to cut a long story short, they all <laughs> end up inside the spaceship with the two brigadiers trying to avoid each other for most yep. of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
And then ultimately you're sitting there going, oh, come on, you got to meet, because we all know this solves the problem at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 well, I do have to point out, before we get back to there, is something that I can only describe as a Nathan Turner staple. At least one per season, you'd have a flashback sequence. Oh, this one was nice. Yeah, this this mm. this was probably really when it was done. The only other time was Earthshock, but this is again a nice. It fits the story. And for Does, listeners yeah. who yeah. haven't watched this, the flashback is because the brigadier in 1983 doesn't know who the Doctor is, has never heard of the TARDIS or anything else, and the Doctor has to make him remember his past to unlock the memories. Yes. Does very good. And yeah. the angle, they almost got the uh, big deer's head pointing in the right yeah. direction between the... the, the <laughs> what is it? The, thir- the first mem- hit the brigadier remembering and the first memory shot. Yeah, and the last one. And the last shot yeah. of, of the brigadier in the TARDIS. There were little bits through it as well that I got the feeling that the Doctor had his suspicions about Turlo hmm. when he found the crystal and said, yes. is this yours? Yeah. And you got the feeling that... He, he had a suspicion about what this crystal was. I mean, it's a bit of alien technology. Why is this mm. guy? He's not even questioning when Turlo comes out with, well, maybe if we yeah. undo yeah. the Kamubula thing, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. jig will go around the universe. It's, yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem to be phased by his extra knowledge. It wasn't really explained at all. Because then later on, is it this story or the story after, he starts talking about his home planet. Yeah. And suddenly, why aren't, isn't he brought up on that? Why don't they say, yeah. you're a schoolboy from Earth? What is the, right, yeah. your home planet? Mm. I mean, maybe the doctor can spot non-humanoids or can spot what planets people come from like people in england can usually spot scots person without them opening their mouth from a londoner yeah. maybe you know there the might eyebrows. be something that... <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is a point um but you can usually if you have sort of like a french person an english person the way we dress is different and that kind of stuff <laughs> you can usually yeah. spot people from other continents mm. maybe the doctor has that same ability to actually look at someone and go actually you're, you're from planet yeah. x well, maybe, it's, yeah. it's it's just maybe. digressing silence adam just mentioned about the eyebrows listening to the uh, commentary or watching some of the special features apparently uh, mark strickson's hair was dyed orange he yep. would wake up with a red pillow for about two weeks afterwards and his eyebrows were glued up they yep. they put glue on toothbrushes mm. and brushed his eyebrows up <laughs> to give him a slightly odd look i never noticed that originally but on the dvd yes. now on the big screen yeah, it's yeah. Very no, odd. on the larger screen no. yeah i did have to yeah. note with the overarching theme that the one thing that caught my attention about turlo was his hair color changed more than mine <laughs> <than laughs> did back in those days why did my hair color change uh, frequently yeah. <laughs> you can tell when the morning session would take taken place after they'd just done his well, hair it's kind of between so, stories well some days some stories it was red yeah it was bordering on <laughs> Ginger, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it was like, come on, choose a colour hair dye and stick to the one colour. Yeah, <laughs> it did seem more ginger at first, and yeah. it just got red over time. It looked like shock eye by the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> the set for the ship as well, it did remind me very much of the set for the Colin Baker story, where it's in the, the mortuary, I can't remember the name of the story. Uh, Revelation. Revelation. Revelation of the Dalek. 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 Very, very similar sets, and I'm wondering if they recycled any of that set. Could have just the look of it Could have been. had that same kind of line mm. and colour scheme. It's meant to be <clears> meant <throat> to be opulence and refinery. Well, I should say Art Deco. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I did like the fact that though Turner was a total and utter first class creep in this. Oh, good grief! There is something I like about Turlo. He's not again. He's not the obvious hero, and he is 
out for his own self. Yeah. Uh, given the attitude, uh, the option of helping or running away, he will go for running away first. But if he can make a profit out of it yeah, at the same yeah. time. If he, can t- <laughs> if he can turn something to his advantage, yeah. Mm. I mean, he's, he's not the obvious hero material. Continuing on with the uh, story, um, basically what it is, um, there's eight scientists who've been alive for a very long time on this spaceship and they want to find out, well, basically they want the Doctor's eight, regenera- eight remaining regenerations. Yep. Wasn't it a coincidence that you had eight regenerations mm, yeah. and there were eight scientists? Right. Yeah. Again, this is what I'm going back to, sort of the Black Guardian having a hand in manipulating events, manipulating fate. Maybe. Mind you, one thing that did make me laugh out loud was the uh, costumes that the uh, scientists were wearing. <laughs> there was one scene where they all filed into this room where they're due to extract the uh, Doctor's eight remaining regenerations. And I was just reminded of that nun called the Penguin in the Blue oh, Brothers. Oh, yes. Where she seemed to glide along. Yeah. With no yeah. no visible means of locomo- locomotion whatsoever. There was a bit, a bit of hypocrisy as well from the Doctor at that point because he gave them this whole thing about stealing... What was a time lord device <laughs> which yes. assists time lords in regenerations, <laughs> which extend time lords' life? Yep. And he's giving them this hypocritical speech about extending their life. It can't be for any good reason. <laughs> so does that mean time lords are all bad then on the quiet? <laughs> Pretty much. The majority of them do seem to go off the tree, yeah. off the trolley. So. I did wonder, they went such great lengths to kill themselves, these guys, Mordrin and his team. Yeah. But it's got to be an easy way to do it than that. <laughs> and they just chop each other's heads off, but they've yeah. got one that's left. Atomise <laughs> themselves or whatever. They're, yeah. they're not immortal in that respect. Not like Jack, where they re yeah. They just regenerate when they can, if mm. it's absolutely yeah. well, as unrecoverable we, from. They'd be as, dead, surely. As we've seen with Time Lords, you can kill a Time Lord. Yeah. It's not perpetual regeneration. It could be you could have a subplot there of religious doctrine that you can't commit suicide and that would be even worse maybe, thereafter maybe. And it was on the whole it was it was a good episode I wouldn't say it was a brilliant episode it wasn't a bad episode hmm. it was lovely to see the Brigadier yeah. again yeah I think I, I think it was a good episode the fact that the Brigadier was in there raised the bar slightly mm. but that again is because he was there if I don't know how it would have been if apparently they was originally going to have Ian Chesterton I don't know how that yeah. would have changed the dynamic it would have had to have you would have had to change the entire story, yeah, yeah. Because you, you wouldn't. Ian wouldn't have a regeneration, yeah. in his memory bank. No, so he wouldn't know anything about it. So he'd no. have to assume that mm. this was a doctor who'd been badly burned. But then that brings in the whole question of would he then be assisting the doctor for these losing his regenerations? There's yeah. a lot that would have to be explained yeah. to Ian. It yeah. would, yeah, there would. He, he mm. would almost be the, the. But what is it, Doctor Assistant <laughs> yeah. to Tegan mm. and Nissa? But it, again, it would be also lovely to have seen. Oh yeah, his character would have been the flashback would have been interesting because that would have been mostly still photographs yeah probably yeah. <laughs> wiped yeah. I'm not sure it would have worked as well to be honest I don't the people wouldn't would've... remember him quite so well as they would the Brigadier no. well he wouldn't look the same no. character same person no I mean even even Nick Courtney was looking noticeably older mm. yeah but it's still recognisably him and he did really great performances as well oh, God, with the two different versions yeah. of him oh yeah you could, you could definitely despite the, the way he was made up I mean the 77 Brigadier had a moustache and still had a black black hair yeah. The uh, 83 Brigadier didn't have a moustache and was very salt-and-peppered hair. 
Yeah. And it's also but it was, gone relaxed. He hasn't got the blazer and the clip yeah, attitude. Yeah. 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 But, but it's just, it, was, it was the acting as well that sold, mm. sold it. Definitely. Yeah. I'm a bit of an extras girly, I have to admit. I sometimes love the extras. And on this one, I would recommend if anyone hasn't watched it and they get the DVD, actually watch Liberty Hall. <laughs> oh, the interview. The I've interview with one. the Brigadier. Not with Nick Coleman, <laughs> yeah. but with the Brigadier. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. very, very. It's not. Not, not a long piece no. I think it's probably about 15-20 minutes at tops oh if that if that yeah. but it's just very nicely done <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't say very much about units can you uh... can't say much about the doctor no nope. wonderful <laughs> chaps all of them <laughs> <laughs> as the story as a whole I like the concept I like the idea of the two time zones oh, it's very well it's, done it's actually something that's very rarely done in doctor Who, Who yeah. is a time travel story yeah there were questions with this one though because it was obviously a long game plan for the Guardian because yeah. we're assuming that it's the Black Guardian yes. is also his Guardian who's plays for his Turlow's fees at this school for three years no no much. no that is explained in uh, Planet of Fire. Fire. Yeah. But it isn't explained in this one. So it is. It's right. mentioned. It's touched upon yeah. in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, because obviously not there explained. is a guardian that's paying for his fees yeah. and this yeah, kind of stuff. True, and yeah. it does leave you with that idea of well, is this the same character? Has the guard, Black Guardian, taken him from his planet and yeah. put him? There's a lot is there of questions. Is there a big game plan in it or not? So you are left with certain questions on this one as well. Yeah, how mm. Turlo got there and what's mm. he doing there in the first yeah. place, which isn't answered. No, it's all very, very much. Left open. Yeah. Even the writer didn't know the background to Turlo when he wrote it. <laughs> no. On the whole, and in- enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, is a good, this is a good one. This yeah. is a good one. Which leads us neatly into Terminus. Um, basically, stripped down plot is um, we still have the uh, Black Guardian trying to kill the Doctor through Turlo. <laughs> uh, Turlo sabotages the TARDIS. Yeah. And the TARDIS, for once apparently working, locks onto the nearest stable source of uh, atmosphere to, to deposit its crew while it is slowly breaking up. The thing that it latches onto is a Lazar ship that is going to the hospital station to, uh, which is so called cure the lazars of this disease mm. basically terminus was a futuristic version of a leper colony yes yeah i mean yep. they weren't they weren't really being sent there to be cured i mean they were just being offloaded offloaded and just left there it wasn't yeah. very clear but they were sold the idea they were going to be cured and some were yeah. but some well, died yeah. during the yeah, cure. i would imagine not of them died huh? yeah, <clears throat> vast majority mm. died yeah. you get the feeling and apparently there was a ship which took away the people who were cured that was mentioned in passing yeah yeah, yeah. no idea it. where they went or what yeah. happened to them after they left because nobody ever returned from terminus yeah well, some people clearly did mm. <laughs> well, well, I think good, yeah. that, that was down to the fact as, as the disease had so much stigma nobody owned up or admitted to actually having having the disease in the first place this this story had a very very big toe in norse mythology oh yes yes oh, yeah. with the veneer and the gama and going down into, into the hellish kind of place yeah. <laughs> yeah. um so there was a lot of overtones there but it also suffered from an excess of assistance. Oh God! They had to oh, uh, yeah. they had to lock two in the ducting system, didn't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for for two, most of episodes. the story, yeah. yeah. I think um, listening to the commentary, Mark Strickson said that he went through his trousers, yeah, on the knees, going through all the tunnels. <laughs> if you look very carefully, in some scenes you can see his yeah. knees through right. holes mm-hmm. in his uh, yeah. in his trousers. Yeah, speaking of clothing, I mean, um, why was Nissa sort of disrobing herself? <laughs> not not why not? Are, are you complaining <laughs> not about that I was this? 
Um, director's commentary does explain this. Yes, yeah, yeah there is a... This is called The Plot Not Matching the Costume. Apparently the writer wrote a certain scene and she left uh, a brooch. The, the original, when the writer originally wrote the script, he thought she would be wearing the very Victorian... The Trachan costume. Cost, Trachan yeah. costume. And so when she gets the Lazar disease, one of the things is she starts to get constricted feeling around the neck. So the mm-hmm. idea was she would loosen the jacket and as she does so, the brooch would fall off, prick her finger on the brooch, the brooch would fall and she'd leave a trail of blood dots. Unfortunately, yeah. by the time mm-hmm. they got here, she's wearing a chemise and a skirt. Mm. <laughs> Actually, it is... Oh, dis- with no bra. Yeah, it yeah. is... Dis- oh, yes, yes. <laughs> they clear in a few hair scenes. <laughs> it is described in the commentary as the crumpet costume. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it gets to a point where the script says, oh, I'm hot, I can't breathe. Now, obviously, we can only assume that the waistband on the skirt is so tight, it is restricting her mm, diaphragm uh, from movement. Certain, certain uh, amounts of artistic licence. Yeah, yeah, right. I think it's called rewriting the script yeah. on the fly. <laughs> I mean, Mark Strickson had a terrible job having to go down those corridors with his head stuck Virtually. Quite literally. Yeah, he didn't complain about I'm sure, I'm sure he's complaining about that. Yeah. But, yeah. Personally, of the three, I find this the least enjoyable. And oh, that's yeah. probably mm. the wrong word, but it, it's, it's very... It's the weaker. It's the weaker. Yeah. It's very slow. Mm, it is very it is. slow. And I know we've gone on about uh, Murray Gold in the past, but the incidental music in this does not help. It's yeah. a very farty... <laughs> Yeah, it's full of fart noises that the music for this is very didn't notice too badly <laughs> the scene in the last one in Mordred Undead where Turlo steals a car yeah that is really overpowering mm, uh, yeah. incidental music yeah I didn't notice loud. it so much after that I must admit in this story or even well, the next I think it, it, the, the music for Mordred is dynamically different from the music in Terminus and Enlightenment oh okay because Enlightenment is also a little bit of farty music but it's less <laughs> Less played, less yeah. intrusive, to my mind. Mm. The other thing is, in Mordred Undead, the whole story is about bringing a new character in yeah. and building up this whole history and why this character's there. Terminus is interminable to get rid of one character, <laughs> yeah. who I don't yeah. ever really think they should have got rid of. Yeah. No, Peter I, Davison agrees, doesn't I, he? I think she, she was a very good character for the Doctor. She was as intelligent to some respect, and it was nice to have that. Yeah, one-to-one. Yeah. One one like one. a Romana, so Listening. Listening to the big finish plays because they've done quite a few plays with just uh, the Fifth Doctor and Nyssa, and the, the rapport there is one of understanding, and it's it's fun, and it's of two equals. Yeah, I just mm. I just felt it was it was a story that was just contrived to get rid of our yeah. assistant. Yeah, mm. although then right at the end it all seems rather abrupt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much bizarrely. Well, so, so listening to the commentary again, she had no idea. It wasn't her choice to go. No, she yeah. had no idea no. that they were. Mm. In in terms of the arc of the story and that Turlo's there to try and kill the Doctor, okay, he sabotages the TARDIS at the beginning, but then he's got out of the right way for yeah. the rest of it, mm, so yeah. he can't yeah. actually... Well, that, that's the, the doctor. whole point. Yeah, you know, yes, they've locked him away, but then that then makes not a mockery of that story yeah. being in there for him to try and kill the Doctor, but you've behind. taken it out of the arc. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that is the whole point. They had to do that, because if you keep them together and he's continuously trying to kill the Doctor throughout the whole episodes... 
and not succeeding. That either makes him look stupid or the doctor looks stupid in not realising <laughs> yeah. what's going on. So yeah. you had to shove him to one side. I'm sure they could have done something better where the doctor did realise, but perhaps try to use it against him to find out yeah, who he is working for. find out where it's yeah. going. Yeah. They could have done something like that. They, they could have done. They didn't, and that's mm. a shame. As I say, an interesting comparison was when um, the, Black, the Black Death was prevalent in, in Europe, mm-hmm. and um, you used to have these people walking around wearing the wide brim hats and the bird masks. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a comparison I sort of drew immediately. I mean, though they're sort of just, you know, sort of, oh, there's another one, so we'll get rid of him. Sort of. Yeah. Mm. Well, interesting link into that, the, the costumes of the veneer are actually taken from tombstones, tombstones, from tombs of the similar era. Mm. There was a tradition around that time that you had the carving of the best beloved laid out in his finery at the top, and then inside there was minor sarcophaguses, and inside there was one drawn where the skins come off and you have the muscles and the bones. And yeah. That's nice. what looks very similar to <laughs> yeah. the veneer's costume. It was very then the final one yeah. is just um, a skeletal yeah. because they did become very obsessed with images of death and uh, skeletons mm-hmm. during the Black Death. You know, you, you're living that, yeah. with it everywhere. You ended up mm, carving it. it, and so they were the costumes of a near were comparable to that kind of era of the, of the Black Death. Shame didn't work quite so well in practice. As yeah. That's because I on think, paper, but yeah, that's because I think the, the actual the uh, armor looked fantastic. I thought. But yeah. it was obviously made out of fiberglass, and you could hear that. Yeah, it yeah. clanked and it, it didn't prinked. move properly. Yeah, and, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the uh, Vermeer, they were just as much prisoners as the uh, oh, yes. as the Lazar. Yeah, because mm. I mean, they needed regular ingestion of that drug to keep them alive. Hydromel. Yeah, hydromel. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering with the hydromel because it's not really answered if the Vermeer are. Lazars that have been cured, or if they're suffering from a totally different disease. I kind of got the impression got to take the hydromel yeah. for something. Yeah. At least it's keeping mm. them alive in some mm. way. Yeah. But, I, but what is it they've got that's? I think they're just for? addicted to it. They've been forcibly addicted to it. Is my, my guess. They're slaves. But then there's nothing to stop them going cold turkey. They would survive if they weren't. Given Maybe it they anymore. wouldn't survive it. Maybe that would kill them maybe they're so addicted this, to whatever mm. this is it would actually or kill them off. They, they do need it to survive I mean um, like Ketracel White for the uh, Gem Hadar maybe mm, it was an okay story it was, okay. It's, it's the poor one of the three mm. and I think also it doesn't help that it's got these two strong episodes next to it it would have been an yeah. average episode if it was on its own but because yeah. it's slotted as the three and that's saying something for me who likes my Norse mythology <laughs> mind you I, I did like the the, uh, the garm oh dear really <laughs> yeah I mean big portly dog with red glowing eyes Hector Hector, Hector. Hector yeah I'm a very very bad garm called Hector yeah didn't look quite so uh, hard today but I was a bit confused by the space pirates what was, what was the point of those two? Oh, I they'd had enough of them and wanted to get rid of them. Mm. You two go over to that nice red ship. Run away! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, as I was saying to real Keith a few days ago, I mean, I must uh, stress a point about Doctor Who and headwear. The oh, helmets right, yes, that the pirates were wearing. I mean, I'm surprised they could get you know, get through a door without having to turn sideways. <laughs> it was couldn't. only to hide the hairdos that yeah. they had. <laughs> you, you noticed they took them off <laughs> rapidly. Mm, oh, yeah. grief. And Time Lash, uh, the guards going around wearing those hats that look Beehive. like bee- beekeepers' hats. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And uh, Warriors on the Cheap. Oh, yeah. The there person. again, the uh, the yeah. station guards that were in those hats that look like those net things you put over a joint of beef when it's cooling down. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It has been pointed out in the documentary, on the, the documentaries or the commentary bits that inevitably Doctor Who consists of stuff they've managed to cull from other things. No one could really work out 
what those helmets were culled mm. from. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, they had to drill holes in the bottom because yeah. it kept steaming up. So <laughs> yeah. they're really useful if you chucked them out in space. Mm. But it was noted that um, the first scene we see them, there's a massive lot of smoke and whatever. And the explosion, the smoke goes the into the helmet. The smoke goes straight in, up into yeah. the helmet. It doesn't dissipate, can't. It's no. But these two characters, they're brought in and they act as yeah. companions, effectively. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and again, got too many companions to begin yeah. with. Yeah. If one, those one two weren't in the love interest, well, kind of. of. Yeah. So you've got one going around, skulking around into the stores and all that. Yeah. That could have been Turlo. Got the other one, the female one with the doctor. Mm. That could have been Tegan. Yeah. Why did they just get rid of those, got rid of those characters yeah. and brought in the real yeah. companions? I, I, think, I think it was a case of, at the time, you needed a name. And Nathan, well, Nathan Turner thought you needed a big name to attract other people. Lisa at the, Goddard. At the time, Lisa Goddard <laughs> wasn't a big name, but she was a recognised name. Well, she was right. married to Alvin Stardust. I also wonder if this was actually, it doesn't say anywhere, but if this was actually written for part of this art, or if this was a story that was written for a yeah. doctor, mm. assistant and two others and that just turn a, up and, just and then just became adapted mm. into this. And then suddenly, well, we've got, to love and they won't fit in here so we'll get mm. them we'll shove them in a corridor somewhere yeah. Yeah. I mean I did find those two space pirates I mean it's all well superfluous for want of a better mm. yeah. term well there was something about the mayor one Olvia whatever his name was Olvia mm. yeah he, his sister was a Lazar and was brought to this That's place right, yeah. and he mentions it and then never mentions it again yeah. doesn't try to mm. find it doesn't try to find out what happened to her was she cured did she die she's still there this is if you've got him following this around like a puppy dog yeah. <laughs> at the end of it she's, she's trying to get over the Lazarus disease and telling mm. him to go away every five minutes and then at the end of it it's like oh yes and she's staying here because of Olvi well, where did this come from <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> quickest love affair in history it's Doctor Who that happens mm. yeah. you can't see his point of view though given what she was wearing <laughs> <laughs> or what she wasn't wearing yeah. Yeah, we're going around tripping over his tongue yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we terminated Terminus. Yep. Mm. yep. And we became enlightened. Aha. Uh-huh. And we move on to enlightenment, the last of the three stories. That's yeah. It. That's and it. by far, in my opinion, the better of the three I stories. Think, I think, mm. yeah, I think alignment is a good capper. It finishes it nicely and quite spectacularly. Okay, uh, apparently the White Guardian wants the Doctor to intercede on some form of a race yes. that is happening. And uh, whoever is racing mustn't win. No. Because to win is to lose. <laughs> wrong, wrong one. They've already done that one. <laughs> so the TARDIS materialises on board what appears mm. to be an Edwardian sailing ship. Yeah, racing ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're introduced to the Eternals. Yes, mm. yes. To which we have on board the the Shadow racing ship. Mm, that's right. the name of the ship. Uh, Captain Stryker and first mate. Is it Baroness? First mate Mariner. Mariner, mm. sorry, Mariner. Stryker. Who I thought was very smarmy and very creepy. Yes. And mm. gets the hots for Tegan. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mentally, of course. He, he seems to be more of a... a used... Sex pest? Well, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he strikes me as a, a used car salesman. Okay. You know. Oh, I'm just sort of Swiss Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Being a Time Lord's companion is like making love to a beautiful woman. <laughs> anyway, yes. we've, we've jumped ahead. Doctor mm. and Turla oh, meet yes. the TARDIS and yes. end up joining the ship's crew. Yes. The Doctor is a bit surprised when everyone seems to be happy that he's there and then they suddenly realises that Doctor is an old term for the cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Head chef. Um, Tegan, having been told to stay in, in the, the TARDIS, TARDIS. Doesn't. 
Yeah. Again. Again. <laughs> and no. gets apprehended by the first mate. Yeah, she was meant to be staying there to pick up any more messages for the white from the white guardian. Mm. And the yeah. only message she got was don't win, he who wins yeah. gets yeah. all. Winner takes all. Yeah. yeah. And and then the console blew up. Then console. So <laughs> yeah. she leaves the TARDIS and gets apprehended and taken to the captain's table and it does seem rather strange initially that all of the the captain and the first officers they do appear to be able to read minds or yeah. some way of knowing what's going on um, yes. the the as i said striker and m- most of the officers do come across as very wooden and that is deliberately so oh yeah it's part, well part of the plot yeah, but they, they are very... You, you get the idea just before they speak or act, someone has flicked a switch somewhere. Mm. Mm. I, I just found the Eternals, for, um, as it's said in the uh, in the programme, they exist outside of time. I just think they seem very empty and very barren. Yes. That's yes. the point, yeah, definitely. Mm. That's it. They need they need the stimulus of human minds or mm. a- alien minds yeah. of, mm. of non-eternal, ephemeral minds. Ephemeral minds. minds. Mm. To, to stimulate them and, and keep them going. For example, towards the end of it, there's one point where the doctor's getting rid of a crystal that's about to explode and afterwards the first mate whose name's got out my head completely Mariner Mariner says well if you'd only said I could transport it but he had to have the idea yeah. told to him he didn't mm, come up with, with the, the idea, idea. No. Yeah. So they, they are the blank plates stiff is, is yeah. that these empty oh, yeah. vessels but yeah. it makes you wonder how they then come up with these races these ship races and what have you to cause diversions because that obviously involves imagination <laughs> yeah. well they got the well obviously they got the ideas from the uh, from the well, the crews the uh, em for all crews they abducted or whatever but Did then I... comes the question do you have the race first and yeah the crews or do well, you abduct the crews and that gives you an idea for the like, race the chicken like, in yeah, the chicken egg, in the egg yeah. Yeah. well the the race I thought anyway the race was put on by the guardians yes. two guardians yeah. they were the ones who were so there the at the end the guardians make the suggestion so they suggest a competition of some kind and maybe from that came the idea of a race I don't know I did like the idea of the different period ships yes that mm. was quite nice and, and the fact that this was a, a race in space and how the crew the earthbound crews got used to going up onto the yeah. rigging and they kept all this facade up at the rigging and yeah, I, I got the emphasis that it was something in the rum that was keeping them placid yeah, mm. yeah. yes definitely almost yeah. like a hallucinogenic yeah or anti-hallucinogenic yeah, it's one of them which wouldn't take it yeah and yeah. He, he went a bit mad who actually was <laughs> who actually was Roy and... Evans from EastEnders <laughs> okay Captain Barbosa was um, was it Barbosa <laughs> no no Rack 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 yeah <laughs> Captain Barbosa <laughs> Captain... could almost be <laughs> almost be Captain Rack was was wonderfully pantomimely villainous I loved her <laughs> I, I'd like to point out at this moment is uh, my old friend Kevin Mitchell, Mitch. Mm-hmm. His mum was the spitting image oh, yeah. and personality yes. of oh, Captain yes. Rack. <laughs> but in a very nice way. In, in a nice and gentler way, but it was Captain Rack. She was, yes, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't figure out. If she's an eternal, why isn't she yeah. blank like Striker and Mariner? Well, why is she so she, colourful? Maybe she is, but she's surrounded <clears throat> herself with all these villainous characters. Pirates. And as she says from Turlow's mind, it's so much more devious and full. Maybe being a gap bad guy, your brain is more <laughs> scheming and mm, that, scheming that might... Scheming, devious, elaborate. I'd like yeah. to point out maybe. that Mar- Marinus seemed to be more 
animate and more of a, as you said, sex pest about <laughs> yeah. when, he, when he latched onto Tegan's... Oh, yeah, definitely. So she perhaps there was, them, yeah. perhaps there the was someone sense. on Rack's ship. Maybe. Maybe she yeah. interacted with her crew more. I was yeah. going to say, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. the striker tends to stay away from the crew. And he yeah. said he doesn't yeah. mix with the crew. He was, a, he was the lord. Mm. Whereas... Rack, she has her crew around her permanently, so if she's feeding off of all these very devious, sneaky minds, yeah, etc., mm. that's what's that's making it. her more yeah. elaborate character. Yeah. Yeah, more personality. Right. I did with this one watch both versions. Yes. I watched mm, the original and then I watched the special edition. In terms of speeding up the special edition, cutting out the end credits and the recaps, just looked like the repeats they did on BBC Two and UK Gold many, many <laughs> moons ago. You know, okay, so we fast forwarded it through. It didn't really pull it any tighter, I, think, I didn't think. I think they actually trimmed a few lines and maybe a few small scenes. They did. Not much, though. Not, 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 not a great no. deal. From what I saw, they just shuffled a few scenes around, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, mm. not a great deal. The special effects, I had mixed feelings on. I loved the special effect of the, the ships going into the race, pulling away from the sun behind them. I mm-hmm. thought that was a really lovely effect. But I didn't feel that the new CGI effects necessarily brought any more to the table. Okay, no. they were sharper and no. cleaner in some mm. places, but they didn't bring anything to the story no. that made the story better. And in one no. case, I actually think it made it worse. Oh, really? The bit where Rack um, joins with the Black Guardian to focus yeah. the plow, in the original, it is jet black column. Yeah. In the CGI one, you've got these red specks in the Yeah. Mm. Why? Mm. He's the Black Guardian. The whole static column of blackness was actually in some ways more stark than this yeah, red-trimmed yeah. thing. That was one yeah. where I sat there thinking, this is a special effect for a special effect's sake. And it, it yeah. really it that almost, one was, it really almost yeah. pulled away from the original effect rather than give to it. That, that mm. one was better first time around. I've got, to, <clears throat> I've got to go against my usual attitude, but agree with you on there. It mm. was a much better effect when it's just a black column. Yeah, that particular one. Um, there was other things I liked, like the uh, couple of extra scenes from the exterior of the TARDIS with the glowing mm. the white guardian on it. Uh, I liked the uh, shot forwards over the bows that you got because yeah. previously they were only the, mm. the, yeah. the bottom. Previously they were only looking at the view screen to the side, and you didn't get any shots forward of the, what they were looking no. at. I liked that, but it also it, gave the game away because if they walk on board the bridge, yeah, and you could tell. Says, it was, oh, it's night. But she's looking out onto Starfield, and Tegan has seen a Starfield yeah. before. <laughs> she yeah. wouldn't have said, oh, it's night. She no, would have said, oh, we're in space. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that gave the game away. Maybe. It kind of reflected, you know, the stars. No, it was very obviously. They one, were looking yeah, down yeah, onto yeah. space. <laughs> one of the better ones that I liked, though, was the, the shots are going past Venus. Yeah, that mm. was a good one. Mm. I mean, especially the shot where you got it from the planet's surface, and you saw the thing bouncing off the atmosphere like a, like a shooting star or mm-hmm. a comet. Yeah. That, the original model shots of that were quite poor. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, I mean, harking back to the uh, special edition, as was mentioned previously, um, with the, all the ships heading away from the sun, you know, yeah. the sun in the background, all the ships coming to the foreground, I, I did find sort of that shot rather, well, poetic for want of a better term. <laughs> Because um, a story that I read recently was uh, Sun Jammer by um, Arthur C. Clarke. And that is all about what, the proposed theory of solar sailing ships. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, I say that scene just added a sort of whole, well, I would say, sort of classic feel to it. I mean, getting away from the special effects, and this is one of the reasons why I don't think the originals 
or the new ones really bring or alter the story that much is the story itself was a very good story. Yes. yes. The dialogue between the different characters, the interrelationship of the characters, you've got the race, you've got the Doctor involved in a race as well. You get the feeling Turlow's realising his time's up. He's got to do the dastly <laughs> deed or he's had a oh, yeah. There's a lot of things coming to a, to a head in this one. You get the feeling that's happening, but in a very subtle way. They're not interfering with each other. And I just think it's a very strong, not just visually, but dialogue-driven story. If the Black and gar- White Guardians are eternal, yeah. yep. and the Black Guardian will forever be after the Doctor and will want to kill him, given that, in theory, because we don't know about all the other Gallifacians that have been slipped through time because they don't exist anymore, given, in theory, that the Doctor is the one and last and only <laughs> Time Lord. Yep. Why hasn't he taken his chance? Why hasn't he gone? Where's the Black Guardian at the moment? Maybe they've Why gone. Yeah. Them? Mm. Maybe they've both they're, gone. They're eternal without light. There is what? the dark. There will not be one without you. Know, uh, until uh, the planet's we, entirely we, black or white, there will we, we, ex- we, we exist until we're no longer needed. And they're obviously still needed because you had a time war. And well, I mean, that's it. According to um, documents, I can't remember the name, but it appeared in the first Doctor Who annual. According to Nathan, not Nathan Turner. According to RTD, the Eternals have left. They left the gal- uh, left this universe in tears. But, mm. but <laughs> the Doctor time travels, so he travels back yep. to a point when the Black and White Guardian were around, and the Black Guardian, obviously ah. being omnipotent and can see forward and back in time, will obviously think, "Right, I'll cop him while he's here." <laughs> <laughs> not sure it works that way. <laughs> it's funny, it, it does when you need it as a plot device. Well, yes, yeah, yes. Definitely, definitely. But overall, I actually enjoyed the three stories. I enjoyed yes. the arc yeah. between the three of them. Um, I liked Turlow's character development. He he still stayed this kind of like slightly cowardly character. But I, I liked the turning point. You can feel the turning yeah. point. When he's locked into Rack's eye destruction room and he's calling for the Black Guardian to help me, help me, help me. And then he switches That's, and starts yeah, Doctor. Help doctor, me, yeah. help me. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like he he suddenly realises which side is Red's button, <laughs> yeah. the guy is actually that can assist him. And the yeah. character starts to turn at that point and not be quite... Yeah. I won't say devious, because you always get the feeling turned out his side. That, that's yeah. what his character... Yeah, looking out for he's number one. He's a politician at heart. Yeah. he's always <laughs> looking out for number one. But he's one. not so much the snivelling, cowardly kind of character. He's, he becomes a bit more of a stronger character yeah. in himself. It's almost like he gains in confidence. I wonder how much that cowardly nature was real in the first place. I suspect a lot of that was put on some kind of front to kind of protect himself and to take a step back from the horrible things he's finding. I don't know. Yeah. But I did wonder, why on earth did the Doctor never see it? Can you get the impression he did see it, but he doesn't do anything about it. He I doesn't confront him. I got the feeling him. he did. Yeah. I got the feeling he did, and I think he wanted it to play out to see, for Turlow to discover himself. Maybe. I think, mm. I, I, I certainly get the impression when, uh, right at the end, Turlow's given the choice to either have the diamond and hand over the Doctor, or what? give the Black Guard in the, doc, uh, the diamond. Uh, David Doctor is just standing there 
not making any decision, not making mm, any protest, it. allowing Turlow to make his oh, yeah. decision. He's got to make his own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clear by that point that he's realised what's going on because the Black Guardian yeah, changes it, it much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get the feeling before that that the, yeah. the Doctor's actually... Things like where it, when they land on, on the ship and he yeah. says, I want Tegan stay inside. And I don't get the feeling it's because Turlow did a runner in the last. It's because he wants Tegan to get the message from the White Doctor, White Guardian. Because mm. he trusts him. He knows that Turlow won't give him the messages from yeah, the White or, or may and I not get the him. feeling at that point the Doctor's already got very strong suspicion yeah. who mm. he's working for the way I read that he said I need somebody I can depend on mm-hmm. and he means somebody you can depend on to stay behind and look out for the White Guardian that's why and, and he left Tegan behind left Tegan. <laughs> she will stay behind well <laughs> the implication being that he can't rely on Turlow yeah. doesn't trust Turlow but no I've really got the feeling that he, he knew and he'd let it run to a certain point and then jetsing out of space will do something. <laughs> yeah. So at what point did he realise that? But this is the Doctor with his trust in human nature and good yeah. without calm and... And pleasant open face. It's yeah. a shame they didn't make it clearer yeah, when yeah. he, he realised when he was playing Turlow. Because you don't get that impression ever, really. Not yeah. until right at the end do you really get to the fact that the Doctor knows something. Yeah. The rest of the time, it looks like he's a bit of a fool, but clearly he isn't. But at what point did he did he figure it out? Yeah. Well, as I said, this, Was it this, Morton Undead? Was it yeah, this might be like harking back to the uh, uh, Crystal incident. Where he, in Morton Undead. In Morton yeah. Undead. This yeah. is yours, I, mean, I believe. Yeah, and in, yeah. in Terminus... It, just they aren't together so it's not broached at all the one thing also with watching these i was 17 18 when davison became the doctor (laughs) even at 17 18 god don't do the maths please (laughs) (laughs) i thought peter davison was too young really i watch these now and i still sit there thinking whilst i like the doctor's character he's very effete he doesn't come across as a confident strong character now that may be how davison decided to play it yeah that may be down to the writers not being able to write for a younger actor to portray in that way it's not filling me with great great (laughs) confidence i'm still one of those (laughs) that the the, the, the jury's out for Matt no disrespect to the guy he's probably a brilliant actor but there is still this element of me that's sitting there going how good are the writers because they're going to have to be extremely good for a room full of older generals or older you know omnipotent people to give in to or relinquish control to a 22 year old (laughs) who might be 896 but is in the body of a 26 year old yeah He's not, only a couple of years younger than Davison was when he yeah. got the part. Yeah. I haven't got any concern over that at all, personally, because I think the writers of today are really much more clued into New Who than the writers were in those days of Old Who. Mm. And also, they all sit around, they well, they have, you know, they go down, have famous meals together, yeah. they hash it out. They all will go in knowing the full story, unlike here, where you listen to the commentaries, and the writers clearly didn't know what was happening before and after oh, yeah. their stories. Yeah. Certainly in the Terminus case, because he was still writing for them in the previous season's yeah. costume. So, yeah, yeah. So they were really left out of it, the writers, whereas now they're not. They're very much brought into the production. So I think, you know, and with uh, Stephen Moffat, I think he's... He's uh, MN. <laughs> he's obviously got a history of writing for younger actors, isn't he? He kind of... Uh, things like coupling and things like that. Kind of quite hip, young sort of cast. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any problem. I really don't. We shall wait and see. Watch this space. But I just <laughs> want to say, before we finish on oh, the yeah? Black Guardian trilogy, it's interesting that in the three 
there are no real villains apart from the Black Guardian. No, there are... Uh, so you've got Mordred Undead, he isn't a villain. No, he's circumstances. Then we've got Terminus, again, no villains, only victims in there, really. Yeah. And uh, the Immortals, they're not villains either. To an extent, the Immortals are victims as oh, well. No. They oh, are, yeah. Stooges more than, more than victims. So you have undead in the first one you have the dying in the second one you have the immortal in the third one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I don't think it's deliberate but, but uh, yeah. probably is because it would detract from the Black Guardian maybe I also recommend anyone that does get these to listen to watch them once for their sake but then to watch them with the audio commentary the... I do not normally watch audio commentary no, we, we watched Terminus with the we audio commentary yeah. they, audio commentaries usually annoy the hell out of me <laughs> and drive me up the wall the Terminus one at least is absolutely Absolutely hysterical. Oh, You've yeah. got to listen to it with yeah. Davison and Strixon. It just brings... You can't watch it for the story. You've got to watch it, listen to it <laughs> for the commentary. I don't know about the other two, but it's worth a go. Watch the story, then watch it with the you, commentary. You, you get the sense of it's a couple of old friends who haven't seen each other in a long time sitting down with a pint. <laughs> yeah. It's very very friendly, very jokey as well. Oh, he does brilliant commentary, Peter Davison. Yeah, he does. yeah. <laughs> it's just a shame we didn't have Janet Fielding so she could go on about her hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or Matthew Waterhouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny yeah. enough, he is mentioned. Not necessarily always in glowing tones. <laughs> no. Funny, no. no. So overall, I think uh, well worth seeing those three. Oh, yeah, a, a oh, good yeah. buy. Yeah, uh, definitely a good buy. Enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, go yeah. and watch it. Anyway, you lovely people, you've been writing us letters. Okay, we have one here from Naya. Hello, Hello, Naya. Naya. Dear Staggering Stories team, I think I got a bigger kick out of showing up in the bloopers than I would if you had read that silly letter on air. Although the smutty chuckle, (laughs) I could only go to show that Keith has never seen a picture of me. I'm sure that's not true. You don't know how smutty our Keith is. I know this letter has taken too long to make Podcast 52. And it's going to take even longer for me to review Children of Earth that is either short or repeatable. I'm extremely upset about actually seeing a slow murder of a little kid in the name of entertainment, however darkly dramatic. So I'll say to Gene, (laughs) you're right. Those aliens must have been wandering the universe randomly testing kids. Where was the Shadow Proclamation? Mm. And fake Keith, you're right. The more sorry we were supposed to feel for Jack, the more I wanted to hit him with a brick or a chainsaw. (laughs) He was being a complete bastard I'm sure she'd agree yeah I'm <laughs> sure she will I'll go back and tell her and she will agree <laughs> I see no she, she does no, no, come out wrong edit that out oh god <laughs> Keith you're going to die I am I am going to burn I'm sorry my love I am truly truly deeply sorry no he's not Kevin anyway to make this surreal and worth your time I'm going to take the request for an apple crumble seriously <laughs> who asked for an apple crumble I we could did. have done with this about two weeks ago because I've got some fresh black blackberries and apples and was trying to find a recipe for a blackberry yeah. and apple crumble. Well, next time you have one. <laughs> yep, next time you have one. This is a one-serving adaptation of my mother's apple crisp. Peel and roughly chop one large apple. Mealy ones like Macintosh and Cortland are best. Put in a, a ramekin or small dish. Mix together one tablespoon of softened butter, two tablespoons of sugar, and three tablespoons of flour until crumbly. Crumbly? Crumbly. Hello. <laughs> 
A dash of cinnamon is optional. Optional. No, it isn't. Cinnamon is lovely. Put over apple to form crust. Bake for 20 to 30 minutes at 350 Fahrenheit or 177 centigrade, whatever the gas mark medium is. The topping won't turn brown, but it will turn crisp cookie. It will turn into crisp cookie crust. Very nice with custard, whipped cream, or ice cream. Or all three. Or even all three. (laughs) Thank you, Naya. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. I'm sure somebody will try that. Well, I probably will on Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to have a go. <laughs> we have one here from Eric. Hello, oh, Eric. Hello, Eric. Eric. Dear head of Pertwee's minions. <gasps> oh, hang on. what haven't we done? No, oh, no, God. No, 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 no. He's looking annoyed. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me. <laughs> hello. Hello, 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 head of Pertwee. It's that hypno-toad. He made us forget it. I know. <laughs> Tolerable episode, I suppose, <laughs> but but handsome enough, handsome enough to tempt me to write, except for what follows. Oh. I think classic <laughs> Keith protests too much about the Waters of Mars trailer debuting at Comic Con. It is, after all, the largest gathering in the world for nerdy types outside of the Hadron Collider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ignore that. Classic USA fans who are not in, insignificant in number always that. have to wait for ages to see anything, oh. and many of the great supporting materials the BBC posts on its website are never made available in this country. So, really, a couple of trailers debuting over here is really nothing to complain about. Doesn't stop us complaining, though. <laughs> the, the thing is, I would like to have been there when they were debuting, mm. debuting, so I could have stood there or sat there and gone, ooh, ah, wee! <laughs> <laughs> Quick notes on Futurama co-creator David X. Cohen. He's a member of the Writers Guild of America, so they must all have unique names. He's actually David S. Cohen, oh. but that was taken, so he changed it to the X, because that was kind of funny and vaguely close. <laughs> the staggering stories of Ferdinand de Bargo's movie sounds very amusing. Oh, it, it was. Hopefully, I'll be able to find a way to watch it here over in the colonies. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Yes. Mm. Red know. Dwarf has never really caught my fancy, but perhaps I should give it another go. Yeah. It is very, very British after all. Well, give it, give <laughs> it, it is, a go, uh, certainly. Mm. Thanks, and keep up the passable work. Your American friend, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Dear team, you've all done moderately well. Apart from Jean, who. <laughs> Was the best. <laughs> Even not being there. Oh, sorry, we now forgot you can't swim. <laughs> somewhere somewhere in Rygate, there's a man falling off the bank even as we speak. <laughs> anyway, loved the discussion of Red Wolf. I caught the first episode when it first went out and was hooked on them, hooked from then on. It's only been about four years later when I stopped going out of my way to watch it. Mm. I still use the phrase, hmm... Smug mode! <laughs> Whenever I'm proved right in an argument. Smug mode. Smug mode. Smug mode. <laughs> Which might go some way to explaining why I have no friends. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we be your friends. Enjoyed the discussion of the TARDIS, we'll but what's that classic Keith business? Does someone have self esteem <laughs> issues? Who <laughs> your sticker off and reveal your true identity, real Keith version 1324Z point. Curses foiled again. <laughs> The shrine to Jean has now reached a stage where it is self-aware. <laughs> this something is. <laughs> it took one look at the vast vat of Swolfiger and left me. <laughs> what have I done again? <laughs> Bod, be with you, Win. Thank you very much, Win. Thank that you, Win. Disturbing. And now for your delectation, entertainment, mm. and auditory delight, and especially Win. Subliminal messages. Oh, thank you. 
Okay, <laughs> right, thank you. Very topical. <laughs> I have one here from Adam. Yes, you are. You are writing to yourself again, aren't you? <laughs> I am. No, Schizophrenia, no. one is never alone. He says, Hi team, thanks for another excellent show. Classic Keith. Yes. I thought I was the only person who brought the technical manuals from different films and TV series. Your TARDIS slot made my day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a euphemism, I'm not sure. Uh, one of my favourite bits of any of them is the post office opening times in the B5 manual. Oh, yes. <laughs> Out of respect for all the different cultural holidays, it never opens. Well, it made me chuckle anyway. Just like to plug my favourite things. First up is the Doctor Novel Con on the 11th of October at the Las Gallery pub in Manchester. That's a good place to hold a con. A pub, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Last year they had a Doctor Comics con of Warp Warp, <laughs> which was attended by Paul Connell, Gary Russell, Tony Lee, writer of IDW's current ongoing Who series, and several artists including Disraeli. <laughs> Wasn't he a prime minister? <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> think he was. <laughs> and Adrian Salmon. There were several panels which made really good use of the AV system in the pub, and the atmosphere was nice and relaxed. I'm sure it was. It was a great day out, and I hope that this year will be just as good. They provisionally got Andrew Cartmel, Paul Canell, <laughs> Gary Russell, and a host of others. The food, beer, and conversation is worth going for alone. Yeah, sounds like it. At and that's at www.thelast.co.uk. We put a link on yep. the uh, show yep. notes, of course. Uh, second, Red Eye Magazine, a rather fine publication covering the British small press comic scene, has reappeared like a phoenix from the ashes. It's no longer a print mag, but the PDFs are available from enginecomics.co.uk. Again, I put the link in the show notes. And uh, greetings to Hedda Pertwee. Be seeing you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Be mm. seeing you. Greetings, staggering stories, and the strange old young face with the shock of white hair. Shock of white I hair. I think that's, that's his nibs up there. I was going to say, I had dyed my hair before the picture was taken <laughs> away. Oh! <laughs> You'll be glad to know, just a quick one from me this time. I really enjoyed the debate about the Red Dwarf Series 1, and was interesting to find the team split down the middle. Yeah. Hopefully, if Gene is there this time for Series 2, the balance will swing the other way. Looking forward to it, as always. To save Crumbly from more sleepless nights, I would like to remind him that my War of the Worlds intro is still on offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we might might actually take you up on that. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Chris. Keep up the good work. TTFN, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Hello there, Tony from the Flash and Blade podcast here. You may remember me from such podcasts as... Uh, oh, this one. Oh. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, just returning some feedback, basically, seeing as our chief scientist sent us some for the Flash and Blade podcast. That's twice I've mentioned it. I'm sure I can get some more plugs in there somewhere. Uh, first of all, proof, if any more be needed, that the so-called real Keith isn't real Keith. It's your Dalek special, quite frankly. Um, and yes, there are kittens things in the background here. <laughs> How's the fun? Uh, anyway, uh, the real Keith would have known that Daleks draw their power using the s- shoulder slats on their casings. Uh, they don't need the Sky TV dish or the static electricity thing nowadays. The shoulder slats provide the power. Um, real Keith would have known that, so obviously the so-called real Keith um, <clears throat> isn't the real thing. Uh, but however, I see you have rebranded him as classic Keith. Now, this I approve of. Because um, it, it's fairly obvious. I mean, if this is classic Keith, he's being done on a very tight budget, um, probably very, very, very short amount of time. The scenery probably wobbles, and he's probably in the imminent danger of being cancelled all the time. So, yes, classic Keith. That 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 sounds about right. 
Gene, um, how can I put this? Going back to the Dalek special, uh, we know that you're very, very good on Daleks. I mean, you, uh, your BSB quiz thingy on the Doctor Who stage plays should have told us all that. But um, <clears throat> Patrick Troughton's first Dalek story wasn't the Moonbase. It was uh, <laughs> it was it was Power of the Daleks. The clues in the um, <clears throat> the, the the title there and I'm being a smart ass and I do apologize but uh, well I can't leave you lot alone for a minute can I uh, fake Keith well I'm just mentioning her because otherwise she'll sulk crumbly uh, I'm worried uh, one of our viewers has included a picture of you in the space good the movie uh, poster um, apparently he thinks of you last thing at night when he's in bed well that's not quite how he put it it, it, it was basically you turned up in the plot he came up with for Space Goat the movie um, <clears throat> whilst he was lying in bed. He probably thinks of you laying on jeeps and stuff like that. And um, what can I say about our chief scientist? Yes. Um, so, incredibly critical feedback. Um, quite frankly, you need me. There's, there's no two ways about it. No, seriously, you've, you've taken the podcast and you're flying. And it, it, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, I say flying, it could just be in the Warner Brothers sense that you've run off a cliff and you're pe- frantically pedalling your legs. Um, <clears throat> no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I love what you've done with it. Um, just, just keep doing it, basically. And um, don't forget the Flash and Blade podcast, available from www.flashandblade.org.uk. I have to say this, you see. Joe, my plucky girl assistant, would insist upon it. And that was a cat hissing. <laughs> anyway, well done, guys. Um, you've all done very well. Uh, toodles. Right. Well, uh, okay. Thank you. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Distorted. Mm. I've forgotten how much he used to waffle on. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> and on. We should mention because it's before the next one goes out. We will be at Hooverville. Oh yes. Yes. Oh no. Yes. Yep. Oh no. Well, more specifically, the head of Pertwee will be at Hooverville. <laughs> yes, which is going to be, what is that? It's on uh, Sunday the 6th of September. I think actually the head of Pertwee is the only one that was actually invited. We're allowed along as he's on We're just taking along. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, can the head of Pertwee do the stage set all on his own? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he'd say very much. Uh, but, but the Pertwee waves. Is everyone's Pertwee going waves, to yes. be off in the autograph rooms anyway? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Well, we're the space fillers. Uh, he's been learning from the hypnotoad. He'll just be up there. <laughs> yeah, but there's going to be us, several other people, and do a podcast panel. So come find us in Derby. There are also going to be some people from Doctor Who you've heard of and would actually want to see it. <laughs> yeah, the Colin Baker's going to be there. Make ketchup and mashed potato be upon him. One last letter. One yes. last letter. One last letter. This one is from Benjamin. Elliot! Oh, Hello, Benjamin! Hello, oh, Benji! Ask week in Doctor Who. Yep, after episode 52, at the almost ghostly reports of Mr. Dalek that you're receiving, I began to ponder how Mr. Dalek could be back in the UK, having apparently been destroyed in Egypt. Mm. So naturally, I tried to write a story. Tried being the operative word. <laughs> I've been trying most recently, so it is difficult to find time to script out a narrative. At the time of this writing, I'm also a bit ill. Mm. Swine flu, swine flu. Picky mm. fiddler. Did yep. Disinfect this email. Before <laughs> 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 uh, got antivirus. That's okay. That's okay. And not able to think in the right way to finish the story. Think in the right way. 
<laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. So we are here. We are on taping day for Staggering Stories 53, yeah. and I have to say, previously on Mr. Dalek's segment to start the story, written when I was feeling rather good, plus a title for the eventual story. I think this will give you the sense of my theory on Mr. Dalek's survival. Hopefully, I'll have time to come back to it later this week and do the body of the tale. Mm. Unless you guys have your own theories as well. No. It's a Dalek history. You can have multiple timelines and all contradiction. It's what Terry Nation, voiced by Keith, would have wanted. <laughs> Yours, coughingly, Benjamin Elegant. P.S. It's a, he's done a slight excerpt from search, the search for Mr. Dalek. Excellent. Well, maybe you should read a little bit out. Mm-hmm. A, a taster. A taster. Yeah. People for the next update or whenever it comes. Yep. It's a headed Mr. Dalek, The Missing Adventures. Stories too broad and deep for the small scream, but fitting in with the classic episodes. This story takes place before Mr. Dalek and the amiable assassin. (laughs) Previously on Mr. Dalek. I must go to Egypt. A vital object I need for world domination is there. Go to Egypt, Mr. Dalek. What the hell is that? I've got no idea. I think you can do it very quickly. Okay. Perhaps you are right. I will break the news to Adam gently. Slams Scooby into the wall with his plunger and then moves over to whisper, Sorry, Mr. Do, but I must untake this mission to help conquer all creation. Remember? The Egyptian desert. Hang on, Mr. Dalek. I'll save you. Hold on to Mr. Dalek's extermination arm, the only thing he can grip. If I am gone, the world conquering is up to you. I have trained you well. Uncouples extermination arm and falls into the quicksand. Adam falling on his rump with Mr. Dalek's extermination arm in his hand. No! Mr. Dalek's memorial service, Egypt. Of all the toys and themes I have known, Mr. Dalek was the most... Evil. 21 extermination bolt salute. Keith fires Mr. Mr. Dalek's extermination arm into the air 21 times. Everybody slowly walks away, unaware of the flaming wreckage of a plane that is crushed into King Tut's pyramid and the other three burning planes heading for Egyptian landmarks, plus a new pockmark on the moon. Mr. Dalek voiceover as his theme tune starts. Like a theme tune now? (laughs) Evil, the ultimate power rush. Conquest of the universe is essential. This is the mission of all Daleks and any agents that Daleks may apply to seek out new life and snuff it out to irrevocably exterminate where no Dalek has exterminated before. (laughs) That really hurts your throat. (laughs) (laughs) The Search for Mr. Dalek by Benjamin F. Elliot. Wow, we look forward to that. That's, that's, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to put that on Mr. Dalek's Facebook. We're going to have Facebook. He's got so many stories now. We, we should do yeah, We've got pictures gather of Mr. Dalek around yeah. the world. There's stories. Yeah. All on the Staggering Stories website. Yeah, we'll yep, that's right. Before someone else does Mr. Dalek's <laughs> yeah. Facebook. We won't be able to do it. If you wish to contact us, you can at show at staggeringstories.net. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Yep. Oh, yes, yep. our Facebook group, yes. Yep. And we've got a forum and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. Oodles, oodles of oh, stories, great yep. stories. Yeah. And our latest update will be going up on the, what is it, the. No, it's the same, same day this podcast is coming out, which 
is probably a 30th of August. So, with much lamentation, that brings us to the end of another podcast. Oh. Uh, but in the next one, there'll be more of the same. More hilarity, frivolity and jollity. More news and reviews, more who old and new. But until then, this is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. This is me, Jean, saying, au revoir. <laughs> Adam saying goodbye. Oh, the pain, the pain of it all. You have been listening to Staggering Stories Podcast, Series 1, Number 53, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, Gene Riddler, sees the return of the real Keith Dunn, the views expressed here are those of speaker and don't necessarily to those of the other speakers or the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this podcast is a fake Keith production for www.staggeringstories.net. Come see us at Hooverville. Say hello, you know you want to. No, dude.